Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, guys, tonight we're going to talk about what's going on in the world, particularly what's happening in the Middle East and what the Word of God says about it, okay? Now, why would you say that, Ben? Now, remember, we have been so inundated, if you will, with the coronavirus coverage, okay? Nothing wrong with that. I think we should be aware, but we've been so inundated, guys, that we're not sure what's going on with the rest of the world. If you were to click on the news, the majority of the news would be about the virus and and the protests and and things like that. Now, uh, that's kind of where we are uh, to what's going on. Now... I want you to listen to this. Um, Iran, Russia, and Turkey, guys. You go, wait, 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 stop, stop. Let's, let's, let's go back again. Okay, so we're inundated, but we're not sure what's going on in the world. But Iran, Russia, and Turkey. You guys got those three. Now, they don't mean anything to us. Okay, we don't live in Iran, we don't live in Russia, and we only have Turkey for Thanksgiving, okay? So we, we, we're just not, we're just not, we're just not chilling with what's going on. But do you realize that they have been in Syria for the last how many years? You see, it was 2015 that I actually taught this Bible study. Once again, five years, almost to the date, Joe, it was, it was October 7, 2015. But Russia and Iran actually were in Syria. Okay, they were in the city of Damascus, and so, and so they're still there. But now they've added another element. Now they've added another friend, Turkey, uh, to the equation. Okay? And so what I found interesting is I did some study. I kind of typed in there, and I said, okay, so tell me what's going on with Russia. Tell me what's going on with Turkey. Tell me what's going on with Iran. I, what I found very interesting, guys, is that they've sort of been flying under the radar, Okay, about what's going on and what, what their objectives are. And they actually call it, they, they actually have some overlapping goals in what they call Euro-Asia. Euro-Asia. And I was like, that's interesting. Um, they also run the risk of becoming an e- economic extension of guess the, who? Boom, boom, boom. Of China. So now you have Turkey. Okay, now you have who? Iran. Now you have Turkey, and they're holding hands with China. And you're going, okay, I don't, I don't know where you're going, but, but let's, let's kind of see how this all plays out. Okay. So as we go through our text, we, we'll try to move pretty quick, but, but uh, there's going to give some time, so I'll give you some points just to think, just to write. Uh, kind of going what's down. Again, I'm sitting on a stool. I wanted it to be different. I wanted it to be this kind of relaxed. And let's just, let's just learn. Let's learn what God has for us. Okay? So I'm going to show you, I'm going to attempt to show you what God has in Ezekiel 38 and 39, because those go hand in hand. You guys with me? And we're going to see how it lines up with things happening in the Middle East. Now, here's the question you should be writing down. What purpose does Ezekiel have for me? What purpose? I mean, what, what, what is the purpose of the teaching? You know, I mean, we know that it's prophetic. Amen? We know it's prophetic. We know it's prophetic, but not towards us, the Gentiles. It's prophetic towards Israel. But what does it have for me? Well, I believe, guys, and here's the objective, that we are to prepare our hearts for what's coming soon. Now, 
I know that many people look at us and they say, well, pastors have been saying that forever. Jesus is coming back. I get it. That's what you're supposed to say. But guys, listen, I'm telling you with all of my heart. And you go, well, Ben, what does that mean? Does it mean like he's coming back in the next 10 hours? Is he coming back in the next 10 months or the next 10 years? He's coming back soon. And I don't think we're going to be, you know, I don't think we're going to be here 100 years. Based upon what everything is going down, I don't think we're going to be here. But, but you know, but I don't know the date or the hour. And so my advice to you after all this teaching is done, guys, is really simple. You go, what's that? Plan your life, college kids, plan your life like he's not coming back for 100 years. Okay, plan your life. Get your education. Do what you, what you feel God is calling you to do. Amen? But live your life like he's coming back in the next five seconds. That's how we should live. Okay, we plan. Okay, we plan for retirement. We plan for houses. We plan for kids. We plan for whatever. Okay, Lord, we're going to trust you. We're, guys, we're not going to just sit back, right, Pastor? So we're not going to sit back and just hide. Okay, the Essenes, when they thought Jesus was coming back, they gathered a bunch of people. They went up to the mountain. They just waited. And they realized that he wasn't coming back after several years, right? And so that's not what I'm encouraging you to do. I'm not encouraging you, hey, let's just, let's just live in this church and we'll just wait and we'll just look up every day. Let's live our life, right, like he's coming back. Let's live our life, man. Let's tell people about Jesus, okay? Now, how do we tell people about Jesus? It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the ends of the earth. So it's got to be, a, it's gotta be a, a part of the Holy Spirit. So we should wake up every morning and say, Holy Spirit, fill me today. And guide me who I need to talk to. And use me. I am your vessel. Use me. And so that is the purpose, guys, to prepare our hearts to get ready. You with me? So... Ezekiel chapter 38 and chapter 39, if you're taking notes, they describe a future attack on Israel. It has not happened yet. It's prophetic. It's a future attack and God's deliverance of his people. This is so intriguing, okay? Because these evading armies, okay, jot this down, they're going to come from the north, from the south, from the east, and the west. Look at the map, okay? Josh is going to put up the map. I want you to see this, and I'll actually have him leave that out there, okay? You see that little blue dot right there? That's Israel, okay? That is, that is Israel, okay? Right there. Look how small that is. Look at Russia. Look at all this area right here, okay? So they're going to come from the north, okay? The south. Right? The east and the west coming through here. All of these little areas. That's where. And I'm going to leave it up so you guys can kind of check that out. Okay? Well, what's going to happen? Well, a brief summary. You guys know this. God himself is going to pull them into the war. The Bible talks about a hook in the mouth, and we'll read about this, but I want you to think about hooks. I want you to think about hooks, okay? Now, I grew up fishing, and what did we do with a hook? We usually put bait on the hook, which attracted the fish so that I could catch them. 
I never caught a fish, guys, with just a hook. Maybe you did, but I never. Maybe the fish had to be really super hungry if they just wanted the hook. But normally, there's got to be something. And I was thinking about a giant hook as I was driving, and I was thinking, okay, there's got to be something. Do you understand the bait? Do you understand this? And there's got to be something. Now, the Bible says that God is going to pull them into this war. God is going to pull them into this war, okay? And I want you to keep that in mind. You could even write it down somewhere. God is going to pull them into the war for a specific reason. You go, what's that? Well, listen, Israel has something that this group, this confederate bunch of army, something that they, you ready? Something that they want and something that they need. Okay, two different words. Something that they want and something that they need. You've heard me say this a thousand times, but think about this. For example, what is it that that Russia would want that Israel has, and what's something that Israel or Russia would want, what would they need and what would they want, uh, basically, in the same context? Well, I would think the one thing that they want, guys, is oil. You see, Russia is the largest export of oil in the Middle East. If somebody else had the oil, if somebody else had natural gas, then, Israel, then Russia's going, wait, 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 wait a minute. I thought I was the big dog in town. I thought I was, no way. And so they would want, okay. But also keep this in mind. What something we can't live without? Because let's face it, if there was no oil, if there was no natural gas, we could walk. We didn't have any, we couldn't put any gas in our cars. We could walk. Amen. I don't want to walk. We could walk. We could ride our bikes. We could heat our homes if you had a fireplace. I mean, there's things we could do. But there's one thing that we can't live without. And that's food. And apparently toilet paper, if you, uh, if you go back to March, right? That. I mean, there was, I don't understand that whole thing because there's probably people still unwrapping bundles and bundles and bundles and bundles. They'll have it till 2023, 20, I guess. I don't know. So this group, guys, they invade Israel. But here's the thing. They're destroyed by supernatural intervention. Okay? Ben, has it happened? Hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened yet. How do you know? Here's what the Bible says, guys. If you're taking note, it says that for seven months during this war, they're going to be burying corpses. For seven months, they're going to be burying people. That's a long time. It says for seven years, okay, everybody say seven years. They're going to be using, right? They're going to, they're going to, the weapons that were used are going to be used against Israel. They're going to be used for fuel for Israel. Seven years. They're going to take what you meant for evil and they're going to use it for good. It's like, hey. So not only do they have natural gas, but now they have all of these weapons they're going to use. Now, what I feel like I need to do, guys, before we get into the text, is I want to give you three schools of thought on these chapters. Okay? Because you'll notice up here it says Magog, okay? And this is Gog in the area of Magog, okay? But that's not the only time they're mentioned. 
They're mentioned actually in Genesis chapter 10 and in Revelation chapter 20. So a lot of people go, oh, wait a minute, this must be, oh, this, this Ezekiel must correlate with the battle of Armageddon found in Revelation 19. Okay, so some people go, this is where I stand, this is the school I stand on. I believe it's the Battle of Armageddon, and it's going to happen right after the seven years of tribulation. That's what they believe. Now, listen, let's put it up on the screen. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 17. This is what it says. Now, I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and his head were many crowns. He had the name that no one knew except himself. He was clothed in a robe dripped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed with fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword with it, and he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fierceness, the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God. Now, that's where a lot of people go. Well, this has to be the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. Well, that's one school of thought. Another school of thought, guys, is this is a prophetic war that will happen before the rapture or right after the rapture. There have been great scholars that have said it's going to happen here or it's, we all, every one of them disagrees. Okay? And they're great men of God. So, well, where do you think it is? I don't know. I believe that we'll either see a glimpse of it Or maybe the Lord has put it in the word of God so that you and I could be ready and be prepared. Here's why. Because the Bible says that he's going to come as a thief in the night, but he's not talking about the Christian. The Christian goes, I know when my Lord is Eve, I'm ready. I've been, since I opened up my heart, I've been ready. And so again, he's talking about this. You go, well, Ben, when, when is it? Well, let me do this. Let me give you a reason why I believe it's not Armageddon. Okay. Let me, let me tell you why I don't think it's that. Okay? Look at it, look at Ezekiel 39. We'll look at that next week, but look at verses, uh, 10 and 11 on the screen. Thank you, Josh, for putting that. That makes it so much easier. It says, they will take the word from where? They will take the wood from the field, nor cut it down from the forest, because they will make fires with all the weapons, and they will plunder those who plundered them, and pillage those who pillaged them, says the Lord God. And it will come to pass in that day, Right? Then I will give Gog a burial place in Israel. In the valley of those who pass by the east of the sea, I will obstruct travelers, and there will, they will bury Gog in all his multitude. Therefore, they will call the valley of Haman Gog. Okay? So, why is it not Armageddon? Because when Jesus sets up his reign after the battle of Armageddon, Israel is not going to need any fuel. Jesus will come and he will, this, we won't need the fuel. So it's like, okay, so, wait a minute. What if, guys, we're sitting here and we hear the trumpet sound and we're gone, okay? How's, how's it go? In half a blink, 
half a blink in the twinkling of an eye. Okay? So we're not going to be like all slow motion. Whoa, I'm going up everywhere. It's going to be so fast. It's going to be so fast. The Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Boom. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together. Is that a good place for an amen? Okay, so we're, you, we're going, right? We're going. We're going. Okay? So what happens again, guys, is boom, we're with the Lord. And then, and then, of course, you have the peace agreement we'll talk about in three weeks. We'll talk about how it's the seven-year tribulation. Now, if you're taking note, remember, the first three and a half years is called what? Just the tribulation. Okay? How does that happen? How is that going to be? Why are people going to flock to the Antichrist? Because they're going to see a world that needs a Savior. And when the Savior steps up and says, hey, I can fix this, what do you think people are going to do? Now, don't cross your arms and go, I don't think they'll run to him. No, no. Guys, even today, we're being conditioned to follow like sheep to the slaughter. You understand that? Even today. What nobody understood is that we would put good labels on. Hey, listen, in the name of good health, let's get all lined up right here. In the name of good health, let's go. Oh, yeah, well, I, in the name of love, make sure, make sure you don't, listen, in the name of love, in the name of love. What if, guys, so that's the trivia. The last three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to step up and he's going to go, I am God, and then all hell's going to break loose. It's called the Great Tribulation, the last three and a half years combined of seven years. But what about in the meantime, as the world is going nuts, Israel's just, I don't know, Israel's using the weapons from that war just to, to have fuel. It's a possibility, is it not? The third school of thought, guys, getting back to what we say, is uh, the late Chuck Missler wrote an article on this invasion and Chuck Missler, if you know anything about him, I mean, I mean, I, I barely, I don't even understand him. He's so smart. I mean, he uses words. I'm like, what? Talk lower, you know? <laughs> but he writes, he writes, and he argued the point that the surrounding countries would have to be wiped out. Okay, they'd have to be the ones around that are that are close to Israel. Okay, so here's Israel. It would be these little ones that are around. So you've got Syria. Okay, if you go to Israel. Uh, you went to Israel. You, we saw Syria, didn't we? It's close. I mean, there are bunkers and everything. It was like, it's surreal, man. It's close. By the way, we're not going in 2021. Uh, they canceled that trip, so save your money for 2022, Lord willing. Well, if we are, we're going right there. So, so you have Jordan here, guys. You have Egypt here. So this is what Chuck says, okay? That basically the, some, some of these ones, like Libya and Syria and Lebanon and so forth, um, would have to be wiped out. Everybody got that? That's what Chuck says. Now, I'll explain what I mean a little bit later, okay? So, let's get going to see what God has to say. Ezekiel 37. Everybody put on your thinking caps. Ezekiel 37, chapter before, okay? The Lord promised Ezekiel, Joe, that, that the Jews would one day be restored back to the land, Okay? He said, basically, being brought back to life. He said, a valley of dry bones. He sees men. Now they have meat. Now they're up. Now they're, I'm alive. And it's, and it's so cool because it's almost, Tiffany, it's almost like when we got saved. Like we were dead in our trespasses and sins and we were not alive. 
Oh, we thought we were living. We thought we were living the vida loca, having a great time, until we got saved and we're like, wow, no, this is what salvation feels like. This is amazing. This is amazing grace, right? So we came back to life. It's almost like that. But this is actually for the land of Israel. Chapter 37 says, listen, I'm going to bring back a state that was one desolate that was gone. And he's actually illustrate that in what he calls the Valley of Dry Bones. People of Israel would no longer be split into two, Judah and Israel, but, but, but would be one nation. Now, has that happened? As a matter of fact, on May 15th, 2000, or 1948, Israel became the only nation whose ruins to come back and become a nation. Listen, no other nation in world's history has done that. So, if Ezekiel says, listen, Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 37, this is what's going to happen. This is prophetically happened. Now, here's what I want your hearts to do. I, I never want our Bible studies to go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I'm so scared. God's going to come back. I'm not right. Oh goodness, oh my. I want it so that you go, wow, God's word is true. Every letter, every, I believe it. Because you can't make this stuff up. You see, the foundation of your faith has to be in the Word of God because if it is, then you can truly live life. And you say, well, how so? I'll tell you how so. Because when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you can rest in Him and then you don't have to work for your salvation any longer. You don't have to be a good person, if you will, so that God loves loves you. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to be nice to people. I'm going to give my money. I'm going to just smile. I'm going to say, have a good day to everybody. I'm going to say, God bless. And I just hope at the end of the day that my good works that I'm carrying are going to carry me into heaven. No, I put my faith and trust in Jesus, and then I allow him to do the works through me. And so, guess what? This is what's happening. People from all over the world, all over, guys, all over the world are moving back to Israel. Check out verse 8 for a second. Look at Ezekiel 38, verse 8. It says, now, after many days, you will be visited in the latter years, and you will come to the land of those brought back from the sword, gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. And they were brought out of a nation And now all of them will dwell, what's that word, guys? Safely. It's very key, safely. Okay? How many people have moved back? You know, a couple of hundred, how many people? Listen, we have noticed, guys, tens of thousands of people that moved back to Israel. Tens of thousands. After being spread out in the world for 2,000 years, Just 72 years after the rebirth of Israel as a nation, tens of thousand Jews are returning to their homeland is actually prophesied in the Bible. Do you realize that? Okay. I read, and I didn't, I don't have them for you, but I read individual accounts going, uh, 20 year old saying, I'm leaving Arizona. I'm going back to Israel. Why? I just, there's something in my heart. I just need to go back to my homeland. Okay. There's people, listen. 
Since the last time I taught Ezekiel 38 and 39, you ready? 146,783 people have moved to Israel. To Israel. That's a lot in five years. That's almost, I mean, it's, it's, it's what, a little more than half of the population of Lubbock moving into this little tiny land that's no bigger than New Jersey. And somebody's jamming out behind us. That's awesome. Now, here's what I want you to jot down in your notes, okay? I want you to jot this down. All of verses, all the verses, verse 1 through 9 in Ezekiel 38 have come to pass. It's already come to pass, okay? So Ezekiel, from Ezekiel chapter 36 to 39, here's what we've seen. We've seen a physical manifestation, God putting on people going back to Israel. But from chapter 38, chapter 38, verse 10, to it's the spiritual manifestation. Okay? It's the fear, it's the, it's, it's the spiritual. And so that's what God wants to do. You go, what do you mean? Let me explain. Every week that Pastor Ben gives a invitation to come to the Lord, what he's praying for is the last Gentile would come forward and give his life to Jesus because the Bible says that until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, we're still going to be here. Okay? When that last Gentile says, I give my life to the Lord, that's when, again, it's going to prompting the rapture of the church. So every week, it's like, hey, if you're here and you haven't given your life to Jesus, why are you holding us up? Come on, man, we're, wait, we're waiting to go, man. We're, we're going to start looking, staring you down. Come on, what's the deal? You need to be saved. But, okay, so the last Gentile, what happens? We're raptured. You guys with me? We're taken up. We're out of here. Okay? Then what happens is now the Holy Spirit, okay, right now, the Holy Spirit is taken off the Gentiles and he's put onto the Jewish community. Where's the, where's the Holy Spirit now? He's on the Gentiles. Okay? He's, that's how we got saved. That's how we got saved. It's so amazing. Well, does that mean that, that, when the Holy Spirit is taken off the Gentiles and put onto the uh, Jews, that none of, nobody in the Gentiles will get saved because, like, I got a brother who's whacked, and, and I hope he gets saved in the tribulation. No, I believe that the Holy Spirit still. I mean, I still think people will get saved, but not as predominant as even now. Guys, I'll go to churches with with thousands of people, and and twenty, thirty, forty, fifty people will come forward at each service and re- giving their lives to God. We've seen that happen. We've seen crusades where people come forward. So the Holy Spirit is now put on the Jews, okay? What's that for? Because he's already prophesied and physically it's happened. And so now what he wants to do, because what he's going to do, guys, and I don't know if you know this, but in the tribulation, all of Israel is going to be saved. Right now they don't believe. Right now they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're actually looking for their Messiah, Okay? Now, let me, let me rewind. Remember I said that in order for people to follow the Antichrist, he has to be a savior of something? Well, think about it, guys. Think about it. Right now, we're in such a pandemic, 
that if somebody stood up right now and said, hey, I have the solution, I have the cure, if you'll just do this and follow me, you won't ever get a virus or cancer or whatever it might be. What do you think people are going to do? They're going to they're follow. They're going to follow. How easy it is to follow the Antichrist. It's going to be really super easy. Why? Because we're being conditioned even now. Guys, I, I'm telling you the truth with all of my heart, and the reason why I'm telling you, because, guys, listen, because 2019, movies like Left Behind, movies like A Thief in the Night, movies like all these movies we saw, everybody was just normal. Everything was normal, okay? But something in our world has so drastically changed And we are so afraid and we're so fearful that none of the movies like Left Behind even, I mean, they don't even compare to what we're going through today. And don't tell me how many of you wake up and go, are we still in this thing? I mean, we dream and we're like, man, and then, and then you wake up and, and, and here's what I've noticed. Here's what I noticed. Okay. Here's what I've noticed. We used to carry our Bibles everywhere. Now we carry our phones everywhere, right? We don't, if you leave the house, oh, I forgot my phone. I need to go back in my phone. What do we do now, guys? It's your phone and your, yeah, she's got it. We are like so prone now. It's like, not that we, be, we may not believe it. We go, ah, this match not work. But you go, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to get it food, I'm put it on and whatever you feel. And then there's people who go, well, no, I, I, and that's okay. However you feel, but we're being, we're being prone to do this. And so think about the Antichrist, guys. Now, you won't be here. Can I get an amen on that? You won't be here. Okay, so that's cool. But think about the people who go, man, Christians are gone. The world has collapsed. I need a Savior. This guy stands up and says, I can save the world. But you have to identify with me. I have to know your mind. So I'm going to create a little mark little something. You guys, you guys with me? Revelation 13? Now, here's what's interesting, right? So, growing up old school, I always thought the mark was a little, like, of course, we know that it's going to be an RIFD chip going into the hand or the forehead, right? And I always thought, okay, but how is that going to get all the information? How is that going to get everything that you've, all your, all your medical history and air, I know, your financial information and everything in this little chip, right? So we were talking about that. I said, wow, well, that's going to be interesting. How's this going to work? Well, Jesse De La Serta comes up and goes, hey, Ben, have you ever thought that it could be tied into your phone? What are you talking about, Willis? And it's because we don't go anywhere without our phone. So what if the chip is really small, but it's translated to here, and then your phone is read across every scanner, and has all, it does have all your, all your information and so forth and so forth and so forth. And, uh, well, I'm not getting a phone done. But if you're, so much, so much. Let's go on. So, everybody understand where we are. Let's jump into what Ezekiel says, Okay. In Ezekiel 38, verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, he's talking to Ezekiel, set your face against Gog. Everybody say Gog. 
Okay, so you know, in the land of Magog, okay, who is he? He's the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O God, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out. With all your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya, and with all of them, all of them with the shield and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Tagomar, and the far north and all its troops. Many people are with you. Okay? So, if we were just to read this, we go, who are they? Okay? So, we do read Ezekiel and we read it like, okay, well, I don't know who Gog is or Magog or who are these. I mean, who would name their kid Magog? You know, I don't know. Like, who would, who is to Gomar? But, so, so let's identify them, okay? Okay? There are a number of places in this passage that are practically a cry out to be identified. You go, how so? Well, normally you can track down people groups in history if you were to go to the table of nations in Genesis chapter 10. So for your homework this week, Genesis chapter 10, okay? Now, you go, what do you mean? Japheth, Japheth, right? Ham, Shem, and Japheth, he actually had a boy and his name was Magog. And of course, this is where we get, this is the, this is the people group that comes from him, okay? So, but who are they? Well, who is Gog, Ben? Well, here's what you need to jot down. Gog is not a person. It's more like a title, okay? He is the president. He is the prime minister. He is the however you want to call it, but it's more like that. It's more like the chief prince. This is Gog. He's the chief prince, and it could be a president, right? He could be the ruler. Who is he? I don't know. But I do know this, okay? Go on your computer, type in the most powerful men in the world 2020. You'll never guess who comes up. Vladimir Putin from Russia. He is named the most powerful man. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. But China's, and, and I'm probably going to butcher this, I don't know his name, but his last name is Jinping. He is the, he is the second most powerful man along with our own president, Donald Trump. So I found that interesting. 2020. Okay? Or, everybody say or, it could be spiritual. What if it is the Antichrist? What if it is a ruler? What if it is? I I don't know. What What if he is this chief prince? All I know is, here's the thing. It says Gog right? And he talks about Magog. Who is Magog? Put the map back up so you guys see. Magog, guys, is going to be Central Asia. Look at that. Russia, Central Asia, all of this area right here, okay? It's going to be Central Asia with all the northern regions, such as the Ukraine, Kakistan, Uzbekistan, Afghanistan. That's going to be Magog right here, okay? So that's that people group. These, this, this group of people actually come from Japheth, Okay, Noah's son. Okay? Then you have Rosh, which is actually translated Russia. Now, you'll have some people who disagree. That's okay. That's okay. You'll have Meshach and Tubal. 
And that's going to be right over here because Meshach and Tubal, guys, are Turkey, and it also includes Iran. So it's going to be all of this right in here, okay? So all of this coming through. All of this area right here. What is What does all these people group want to do? And, of course, you have all of these going in right here, okay? But then it says this. Look at verse 5. It says Persia, okay, Persia. What is Persia? Persia is, look at verse 5. Okay, go back to the map. Persia is modern day, help me here, Iran. Did you know that? Did you actually know that it was never called Iran until they changed the name in 1935? It was called Persia. So if you were born before 1935 and you went to school, maybe, you know, I mean, you were like really, 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 really old. Like you were born in the 1920s. You'd be 15. You might have done some history. You would have not learned this as Iran. You would have learned it as Persia. In 1935, they changed the name. Okay? It says Ethiopia. Okay? Cush and Sudan. This is Africa. So you have that in that area, okay? Cush and Africa, all of these coming in right here. Then, guys, it says, right, who else? Libya. Where's Libya? Right down here. Coming through. Cush, Libya, coming all up. They're going to come up from the south, okay? Then you have Gomer. This is including, it could include Germany. It could include, I mean, here's the whole point. Now, Tagorma is the area of Armenia and Abertzgen. So the point is, here's he's going. He's going, listen, you Gog, title, prince, chief prince, you're going to get all of these people. You're somehow going to get a huge federation, coalition of people, all of right here. He says, I have this against you. I have this against you. What's he going to do? Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Very interesting verse. He says, I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws and lead you out with your army, horses, horsemen, splendid clothes, great company, buckler and shields. Okay, so when I, when Ezekiel wrote this, guys, it wasn't he's going, oh, we're all going back to medieval days and, and really the war is going to be with He's just saying, no, this is, uh, this is going to be a great company. If he was writing it today, he'd say, man, I saw tanks and missiles and, 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 air, and, and, and fighter jets. And... But the Lord says, I'm going to put a hook. The New Living Translation says it like this. I will put hooks in your jaws and pull you to doom. So here's what's happening. This group initially doesn't want anything to do with this war. They're just like, let, let Israel be. They're not interested in this war. But they will be forced into it with a hook backed by God. And basically it says God is going to drag them from the north into this war. It's like, wow. Now, we understand that the bordering countries of Israel are not involved in the attack. We're, we know that Jordan, we know that Egypt, they're not, they're not involved in the, ta- in, in the attack. But for some reason, this group comes from the north, the south, the east, and the west, because Israel has something they want or something they need. What is it? Let me give you a possible scenario, guys, how it might go down. I'm not saying this could happen, but Russia, Turkey, and Iran are all hanging out in Syria. Put up the map again, Josh. 
put up the map again. Okay, so they're all right here, guys. They're all, Russia, like Iran is over here. What is it doing over here? Russia is over here. And, of course, Turkey is coming. What are they doing in Syria? What are they doing in Syria? They're just hanging out. Whoa, well, under the right. Well, back in 2015, they were under the guise that they were there to fight ISIS. Do you guys remember? ISIS was really big, and, and they were, and, and Vladimir Putin was like, okay, we're going to, but see, Turkey wasn't involved back in 2015, but they are now. They are now. Okay? You need to understand, Turkey, guys, and Iran are enemies. Okay? They're both from the Muslim world, and one of them is Shiite, and one of them is uh, Sunni. And they are completely opposed to each other. So, they're not going to be BFF. Why are they BFF now, then? Okay? So, you have all of this going on. This is happening today, guys. As a matter of fact, just, just last year, just last year, I, I, this happened on February 14, 2019. It said the leaders of three Euro-Asia, now they're calling this Euro-Asia, okay, major powers met where? In Russia's Black Sea resort of Sochi to discuss Syria. In attendance was the host of President Vladimir Putin, Turkey's president, okay, Recep Tayyip Edragon and Iran's president Hassan Rouhani. While Syria is the main focus of the meeting, the summit represents an important development of the Euro-Asian affairs, the increasing convergence of the national interest between Iran, Russia, and Turkey. Indeed, it comes at a time when the European Union and the United States are close to agreeing on new sanctions against Russia. This was last year. Iran is celebrating 40 years of revolution and vowing its defiance to the West by announcing a continued missiles buildup and influencing a regional affairs of the Edragon government has launched another round of arrest links to the failed 2016 coup attempt. So I read you that just because I want you to know these guys who were just opposed to each other are now holding hands for something greater. What does that mean to me? What does, that, what does Turkey mean? Listen, I'm telling you, people get ready. People get ready. Now you go, well, what do I have to do? Okay, plan your life like the Lord isn't coming back, but live your life like he's coming back today. I say this with all sincerity. When I was on the airplane several weeks ago coming back from South Dakota, I literally closed my eyes and thought, I'm ready. Well, not for the plane to crash or anything like that, but I was ready for a bright light. I was ready to be gone. I believed the Lord was coming back. Guys, think about, think about the church in general today. And are we getting, are we getting the full counsel of God or are we getting things that, uh, that tickle our ears? This is not popular to go verse by verse and say, hey, this is what's going on in the world. Listen, I'm not here for a history lesson, Pastor. Preach to me. Come on, let me motivate it. I want to be excited when I leave here. I want to go, I'm going to go attack the world. There won't be a world to attack if we're not ready. You go, what scenario? Okay, let me give you a scenario. Could happen. Russia is what, guys? Russia is the chief export of all the natural gas in the Middle East. They're like the, they're like the big dog, okay? They're like the boss. 
Now, Israel has found natural gas through the region, and they found actually right here in the Mediterranean Sea. They actually found natural gas. God, okay, you need to understand. You need to understand. At one point, Israel was, for lack of a better word, the latter, outer part of Lubbock, Texas. It was dry. It was dusty. Do you remember that? Do you remember? Mark Twain, in 1870, wrote, this is nothing but, this is horrible. The upper Galilee is just dusty. It's dirty. There's nothing growing here. How could this be from... But today, you go there today, and on the bus, you'll see it's amazingly green, and it's ama- there's fruit everywhere, and it's just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Well, not only that, guys, there's three components that makes up Israel today. What are they? They found natural gas. Okay, they found oil. They can grow food in five different climates. They're growing watermelons in the desert. They grow more food than they can consume. And some of their export laws don't allow them to export the food, although they are exporting to the world. And so they're going, we have all this food, and it's, and, and it's just God is just blessing us. And then not, last but not least, they're what? They're amazingly in, in, the, in the tech industry. Intel's over there, and they're building another, I mean, a Motorola, I mean, all of these tech stuff. Most, some of your apps, guys, on your iPhone come from somebody who developed that in Israel. Okay? So what are you going? They're wealthy. They're amazing. Okay? So, here's the deal. They found natural gas. Okay? So much so that Turkey has actually, guys, sent submarines right in this area to see if they, found, if they could find any. They've actually sent submarines. Go look, and they can't find any. Israel's got it. Okay? They're being blessed. But what if this natural gas is what Russia and the Allies want? What's the best way, if you're a big bully, what's the best way to get something? I'm going to come in and take it. Well, at first they're not interested, and then they start thinking, and then God puts a hook and says, hey, look, they got gas, you can take it. They're just a little country. There's, you got this. And so what Russia, Rosh, says, let me get a coalition just to make sure. Because if I'm recalled, there was three wars that Israel fought that, that God intervened, and they beat everybody up. So let's take in some more troops. You guys with me? Unbelievable stuff, right? So, what if they go, we want the gas? But what if in reality what they really want is food? Right? Again, Israel grows more food, it can sustain sustain the, the entire country. But what if, guys, what if there's a giant famine in the world? There are 13 major famines in the Bible. What if there was a 14th? But what if it wasn't even God's doing? What if it was because of a virus? Or it was because of a, a, an extended virus? Or maybe it was because of a sickness or something else, right? Now, again, here's the reality, and here's the picture I want to paint, okay? Just so you know. There was a time when we'd go, Ben, 
I mean, let's be honest. You would go, dude, we'll always have food. We're, we're America. We always have, there'll always be food on the shelves. Until that day you went looking when people panicked. Sarah, do you remember going and going, where's all the spaghetti? I mean, this is like spaghetti. I mean, you really, and it frightened you. Because we know, guys, and, and when we get to Revelation, you'll realize that, I mean, I mean, if, when the rapture and all this happens, the tribulation, I mean, it, the food is going to be gone in, in a matter of hours. The stores will be wiped out. It was scary, guys, going down the, you know, where, where the hand sanitizer was and toilet paper and the paper towels, and, and there was none there. It, it really was. I mean, and people kept asking, what, what's the deal? Like, why? I mean, what do, you, do you plan to isolate for, for months upon months? Anyways, what if there is a famine like that? And Israel's the only one who has food. People are going to want it, aren't they? And what if you had this, this, this charismatic man going, hey, I can get you the food, but I've got to take care of some business over here in Israel first. I don't know. Just a scenario. Don't, don't write me letters. That's what's going to happen. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a prophet. But I do know this. If Israel gets attacked, guys, they have things set up in place to where they'll come out swinging. Because they have vowed never again to be put back in a corner. Okay? If you're taking notes, it's called the Samson option, basically. And it's basically, they're saying, listen, nope. If something's going to go down, right, we're going to come out with nuclear. We'll, we'll even come, we'll even nuke you if that's possible, if we, you need that. Wow. Wow. Okay? So what's going down? Something's going down according to the news. The main players are who? Russia, Iran, and Turkey. And they're all enemies, and they're still holding hands. Now, something we need to consider, guys, and uh, let's see, we're running out of time, so we'll just, we'll, we're not gonna, I knew we are not going to finish, but that's okay, because I really want you to get this. I really want you to get this, okay? Um, something we need to consider is the Psalm 83 war prior to the Gog and Magog war. You mean there's a Psalm 83 war? Yeah, as a matter of fact, you guys should have already turned there. So, uh, Psalm 83, okay? Um, in Psalm 83, the Confederacy is which the Muslims are subject to the judgment, which have, deta- have, have detailed uh, all of Ezekiel 25 to 32. Countries like Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, along with the Palestinian, okay? I'm going to read Psalm 83, but here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to realize, okay? Um, a lot of scholars feel like this has already taken place. And they feel like it, Tiffany, because there's already peace around their borders. So here's where you can make an, a note. You can make it in, uh, on there, a mental note. There were three separate wars, okay, and I'll give them to you next week. There were three separate wars that actually that, that were the same people that the Psalm of Asaph talks about. But now they're, they're not at war with them anymore, okay? Psalm 83, it says, a Psalm of Asaph. It says, do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. Do not be still, O God. And for behold, your enemies will make a tumult 
And those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people. They have consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come, let us go cut them from being a nation. Okay? Remember, after 1948, this is what has happened. They're saying, hey, they don't deserve to be a nation. That the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gabal, Ammon, um, Amalek, Philistia, the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria, who is also joined with them. They have helped with the children of Lot, Selah. Deal with them as with Midian, as with Caesarea. With, as with Jabin at the brook of Kishon, who perished at Endor, who became a refuge on the, a refuse on the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb. Yes, all the princesses like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for a possession. Oh my God, make them like a whirling dust, like chaff before the wind. As the fire burns, the woods, and the flame sets the mountains on fire. So pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever and let them be put to shame and perish that they may know whose name is the Lord are the most high over all the earth. Now, very, very quickly, okay? All of these... Here's the one thing that was coming to mind when I was reading this. In 1967, there was a five-day war, okay? And if you ever go back and watch the YouTube documentary on that, the Israelites were saying they were actually really outnumbered, but for some reason, a supernatural intervention was happening that God actually showed up and won the war. It's an amazing documentary. It's just like, wow. Well, Ben, why do I share this with you? Guys, because here's, here's, your two, here's your choices. Here's your choices. You can go, okay, is Psalm 83 going to happen? Is there, is there going to be a Psalm 83 war that I'm not aware of, or did it already happen? In either case, you're going to go, okay, that solidifies God's word in my heart because I know if it's already happened, God's word is true. God's word is true. I'm going to go back, I'm going to work, I'm going to look at those three wars, I'm going to say, okay, let's see how these, let's see if the, the people that, that Asaph just talked about is actually modern day and how it's happened. We'll talk about that next week, okay? So we know who the primary people are. We know, guys, that today that Israel is sitting in peace. And he's going to talk about that a little bit later on. I just don't have the time to get into it, and um, we'll cover that next week. Amen? Father, we thank you. Lord, I'm, we're just so much here, Lord, so much. And uh, we want to give you honor tonight. And so, Lord, as we look at part two next week and just solidify in our hearts what you're doing, the world is, Lord, it's, it's just coming together on how you tell us, and I pray. And so, God, really, the heart of the matter is, are you right with Jesus? Have you given your life to him?
Listen, church, those of you that are here and any of you that are watching online, if there's any doubt in your heart, my prayer for you is that you would surrender your life to God today. And not because you're afraid. Not out of fear, because my God is not... He's, he's got his arms opened and he's so loving that he's, he's bidding you to come. And so we love you, Jesus. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.